0: Uh, there used to be a show back in the day, in the early 2000s, and it was called MythBusters. Does anybody remember that show, MythBusters? Okay, so we got a few people that have seen the show, and then, you know, the idea of the show would be they would take these myths, and whatever it would be, and, and they would test them whether or not they were true, whether or not they will hold up. The idea would be, well, is it true that this myth, you know, that we've been hearing from time to time, can it hold up? And as they would test this, either A, it would completely flop and and hold to not be true, or it would be true, and the audience will be like, oh my gosh, I didn't know that. You know, I didn't know a rock can do that. That's crazy. But the reality is have you ever asked yourself, do we live in a world filled of myths? Do we? ever ask ourselves whether or not we are living in a world filled of myths. Again, myth is a widely held belief, but false. Not true. Most of the time, they're not true myths. Look look around our world. What are things that we are believing about God that are not true? What are things around us that as we are living life, we're starting to realize this This is not true about who God is. It can sound true. It can sound true. It could be, it can sound really good. And, and, and even gospel-like. But peel the layers back and you'll start to see it for what it really is. And you're starting to realize maybe this isn't the gospel. Maybe this isn't from God. Sometimes you hear messages as, God is all about your happiness. I mean, He is all about you. He's your biggest cheerleader. Live the best life you can live. Live like Friday every single day. God died because you should prosper, you should have everything your heart desires. Those are obvious to us, right? They're obvious, like, "Mm, that's not gospel. That's not the the word of God. We know that, right? But there are other messages that sound so good, but yet have these hidden messages in them that we must, as believers, know so that we can be ready. How do we, as believers, stay sober-minded in a world that is swayed by false teaching? How do we as believers stay focused, sober-minded in a world that is swayed by false teaching? Well, I believe 2 Timothy chapter 4 is going to answer us that question. I believe that it's by the faithful preaching of God's word. By the faithful preaching of God's word. If you're taking notes this morning, my main point is simple. The preaching of God's word will not only cause the church to be healthy, but cause believers to recognize such false teachings, but to be sober-minded as a response to the word being preached. That is my main point this morning. Let's look at verse 2 in chapter 4. Paul charges Timothy... Preach the word. Preach the word. My, for, my first point this morning is going to be this. The faithful preaching of the gospel will lead believers to be grounded on a solid foundation. Okay, we had our main point, but now this is my, the, 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 the point that gives more to that, uh, speaks to the main point, and that is the, found, the faithful preaching of the gospel Will lead believers to be grounded on a solid foundation. Paul's charge is simple and it's clear to Timothy. The word is to be preached, it is to be announced. Paul's telling Timothy, it's not to be, you're not to be hiding or to kind of shelter the word, but you're called to speak, you're you're called to, to let it out. To announce it like the old-time prophets would. Thus says the Lord. You are called to do it just like them. Not a word of your own, but a word that comes from God. See, Timothy wasn't called to just speak a word of himself. He has no authority. But he was called to speak on the authority and the behalf of God. How do I know that? Well, in chapter 3, verse 16 It says this about God's word, the scriptures. All scriptures is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness. That the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. God's word. it's his very voice. It's the very thing that man says, why does not God not speak to me? God speaks, and he speaks directly from his word. This is what he has to tell to you and to me. Timothy is charged to preach such a deposit that was entrusted to him. Remember, Paul tells Timothy, you've been entrusted with the gospel, you've been entrusted with the scriptures, go and, and, and preach that. We are called, not only just, God's word is not just the Old Testament, but it's the New Testament. It's the glory of Christ. We are called to preach the gospel. That is the core message. It's what this whole letter that Timothy, that Paul is writing to Timothy is built on. It's built on the simple fact that Jesus has come. Jesus has died. Jesus has resurrected, and Jesus will come back. All scriptures concerns Him, from the Old Testament to the New Testament. It all speaks about the glory of Jesus Christ. I, I, I love when Jesus is walking on the road and after His resurrection, and He speaks to these two men, and He's and He's from the Old Testament to the to the, that that day telling him of the glory of the gospel that concerns him. The gospel is central to the word, to the word being preached. He tells Timothy, be ready in season and out of season. Reprove, rebuke, exhort with complete patience and teaching. He says, be ready, Timothy, in and out of season. What does it mean to be in and out of season to be ready? I often ask myself, what does that mean? Well, let's not forget what Timothy was going through in this time. Timothy was bombarded with false teaching that was happening around him. He was also bombarded with persecution. People abandoning him. that once called on the name of the Lord and they're no longer with him. Timothy's young. So he, he, in a way, it seems that it's easy when things are getting rough, when things are getting tough, to kind of sit on the sidelines and say, you know what, I don't know if I can do this. I don't think I'm, I'm specific to this job. And Paul says, listen, yeah, you are. You are. Not only are you, but you are to be ready in and out of season. Paul's telling Timothy, no matter if it's popular or not, no matter if you're being torn down, even facing persecution, keep preaching. There is no time to waste. Think about where Paul's writing this letter. He's in prison. He's telling Timothy, look, you might end up like me. But that is no excuse for not to be preaching the word. If anything, it gives us cause and more reason to preach the word. He says, reprove, rebuke, and exhort. Why is it so important that Timothy preach it in such a way? Well, it dealt specifically with the issue at hand. And the issue at hand was not only the false teaching that was happening but the future false teaching that was going to happen. When Paul uses the word reprove, one of the primary ways Timothy was to deal with false teaching, not only in the past and in the future, was by exposing the lie and correcting it with the gospel. Correcting it with God's word. And therefore, showing disproval of anyone who would preach anything aside from that. Paul, Timothy, was called to constantly reprove those who were preaching something that wasn't the gospel. In the same way, Timothy was to be ready to rebuke, to rebuke such teaching that any especially in the congregation of God, if of found themselves with this, that he will call them out, that it would lead to repentance, that it would lead to repentance. Sometimes we need to be called out. Sometimes we are believing things that aren't the gospel, and the reality, the shepherd's job, the pastor's job, it isn't easy to have to call it out. But we must, if we're looking to have a church that is healthy, we have to call out sin where it's visible. If it even means we have to call you out. Not to hurt you, not to in any way intimidate but to love you, to lead you back to repentance. A shepherd is to do everything he can to keep the church healthy. And that is to warn and shoot down any teaching that isn't the gospel. So that in response, you as believers would be able to recognize false teaching. We, we, We preach in such a way that as we are preaching, you are listening and then you are doers of the word. You are out saying, I got the gospel. Christ crucified, Christ resurrected, I have life through him. Anything that is not that, I will shoot down. Anything that is not that, I will stand firm. As one pastor puts it, he said, become so familiar with the genuine truth of God's word that you easily can spot all the faith that's in the world. As the word is preached faithfully, the hope of any preacher and shepherd is that you will be the people that God has called to be and to be out in the world where the false teaching is at, but prepared and ready to deal with such things. This is why we preach the word, why we preach Christ. We love you enough to want you to know who Christ is. Your spiritual health is important to us. As shepherds, your spiritual health is important to us. We love you. More importantly, God loves you so much that he does not desire for you to, to be in other things that isn't grounded in his scripture, isn't grounded in the gospel. And that's He does charge Timothy and all shepherds to exhort those to walk faithfully. Notice that he has here, you know, two things. He has two things that he needs to do, reprove and rebuke. Those seem to be on the the heavy side of things. Those seem to be on the heavy side of things. but, But to exhort is to encourage you. To to keep on saying, yo, church, go out there and and stand firm. Be encouraged. God has your back. Walk in truth. Walk in the light of the gospel. God's got you. Continue faithfully in the gospel. We leaders are called to be patient. That's why he, he says in the text, Reprove, rebuke, and exhort with complete patience and teaching. We are called to be pe- patient and willing to lead you in gentleness. As we shepherds God's people through the teaching of God's word, we're not just over to bash you with it. We're called to gently preach the gospel to you so that in response you would believe and that you would be doers of the word. Christ in his gentleness, when he taught, when he preached, he rebuked, he reproved, but he also encouraged the flock, encouraged his disciples. We're called to do the same thing as ministers of the word. God's word is able to do all of this. So the question is, why such a foundation? What's, why such a foundation of reprove, re, uh, uh, rebuke, and exhort? Why is this necessary in our preaching? Well, let's look at verse 3. For the time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching, but have itching ears, they would accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions and will turn away from listening to the truth and wander off into myths. The faithful preaching, this is my second point if you're taking notes, the faithful preaching of God's word will keep us from having itching ears. See, the reality is Paul's charge is not for nothing. Paul going to Timothy and writing this letter to get them to be ready and prepared wasn't for nothing. Paul gives a warning to Timothy. He says, the time is coming when many will not endure good teaching. But Paul says, will accumulate for themselves false teachers to suit their own passions. What is interesting to note is, in the text, is that Paul here is not so much describing Outsiders, that's already happening by the way, false teaching outside, but he's here describing those who possibly were sitting under his teaching in the congregation, which Timothy was shepherding in. Notice that the word endure, Paul uses the word endure. We know that from the context that Timothy was experiencing some level of opposition. We know that from false teachers and therefore being reminded to endure such opposition. Yet, it seems that many will no longer be able to endure sound teaching due to their own passions. It's interesting. He said, due to their own passions, they will not endure the very truth that we have given them. And he uses the interesting phrase, itching ears. When I was looking up to see what possibly Paul was saying. A good article said this. Itching ear is a figure of speech that refers to people's desires, felt needs or wants. It's these desires that impel a person to believe whatever he wants to believe rather than the actual truth itself. Itching ears is this thing where you, you know, everyone has had an itch in their ear and you scratch, you know. And the reality is, Paul's saying these itchy ears, these desires to want to do what you want to do, to hear what you want to hear, you're, 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 you're prone to want to scratch that, right? Because it sounds good. It sounds good. But it isn't the truth, it isn't the gospel. False teaching has a way of making things easy, specifically when it focuses on what we want. False, e- false teaching and hearing and listening and, and desiring, is, it, it comes easy, one, also when there's persecution from the gospel. It's easy to shelter yourself from it and say, I don't want to, you know what, I'm safe on this side. This sounds good, so I'm going to go on this side of things. Our passions, our hearts will deceive us. Our hearts, our passions, if not rooted in the gospel, will cause us to look for other things aside from God. Kevin Dye Young had a good quote. He said, we like to think that we are rational people, but we're actually rationalized. We like to think that we, 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 we will never believe false teachings. There's no way we can do that. But then when we start hearing it, we start to think, oh, you know what? This isn't that bad. This, this sounds truthful. This, I can rationalize this. Yeah, I can do that. And we're really good at that. Sin has a really good way of trying to deceive us in such a way that what we think is true it's true in reality, it's false, and it's leading to our spiritual death. Paul says, Many will turn away and wander off into myths. They would accumulate false teachers. So, accumulate is to add, it's to add, it's to keep adding. It wasn't just sufficient to maybe have one false teacher, they needed five false teachers. But it was to suit their own passions and would turn away from listening to the truth and wander into myths. So what do myths sound like in our culture? What does it sound like, right? That's, That's kind of what we've been leading up to, right? What does it sound like to be believers in a world where we're surrounded by false teaching? And we are, by the way. Well, I, I, we're going to be a little bit of myth Mythbusters today. I got a few tweets that I was able to gather this, this, uh, this week. And I, and I want us to look at it and see how, how, how false teaching can really sound great. But in reality, you peel the layer back. It's not. This is the first one. The scripture says this. He gives us different gifts different talents, according to your own abilities. Everybody doesn't get the same, but what he gives you is what you need to fulfill your destiny. Well, sounds good, right? He does give us different gifts. That's biblical. Different talents. Yeah, I got different talents. Trey can play better basketball than I can. According to our own abilities, everyone doesn't get the same. It's true. But what he gives you is to fulfill your destiny. So, what is your destiny? Well, if it's not the gospel, then it's all about you. It's all about how you can fulfill your destiny. If your destiny is to be the best version of you, well, that's why God gifted you these talents for. It's so that you could be a better version of you. Mm, Wait a minute, peel the layer back here. That's not the gospel. God didn't give you gifts to fulfill your your individualized destiny. He gave you gifts to build the church. To make disciples of all nations. To be the body of Christ, not only in the church, but outside the church. What about this one? Faith in Jesus is so much more than a ticket to heaven. When you receive new life in Christ, you are receiving health, deliverance, prosperity, and victory. God intends intends for us to to live at a level of wholeness that is impossible without Him. Okay, well, let's look. Faith in Jesus is much more than a ticket to heaven? Absolutely. Absolutely. When you receive new life in Christ, you receive health, deliverance, prosperity, and victory. Wait, stop there. Does that mean that I'll never get sick? Does that mean that I am going to always prosper in everything that I do? Does God really intend for me to live in this level of wholeness every single day? That's not the gospel. That's not the gospel. What about this one? I love this one. Start believing again. Start dreaming again. Start talking like it's going to happen. Start acting like it's going to happen. Start thinking, God, that it's on the way. Okay, this one's flat out false test to teach you. Like, first of all, you can't make anything happen. You are not in that control to say, "Um, I believe that tomorrow I'm going to have this Ferrari parked outside my house. And if not, then God probably isn't my cheerleader as I thought he would be. That's not the gospel. The reality is that this is happening around our world. You know what? I, I think it would be unright for me not to tell you who these guys are. One of these is Joe Osteen. Joe Osteen. Kenneth Copeland. I think it would be not right for me not to call out names. You know why? Because Paul doesn't either. Paul calls out false teachers flat out. For me not to do that is to harm you. Some of us here, I not, I don't know who, but I But I can bet there's some of us here probably would say, oh, Joel Osteen is a pretty cool guy. But deep down, look at his study. Prosperity gospel. Health, wealth, it's all about you. Let me tell you something that you need to know. Jesus didn't die to make you a better you. Jesus didn't die so that in some way, You would achieve the greatness that you were called to be. No. Jesus died to set you free so that you would be with him forever. Jesus died so that he can take your sins and then call you out to a world to preach the gospel, to get persecuted, to maybe lose your life for the sake of the gospel. But a return, you get him. He is the greatest treasure that you could ever have. Sometimes we find ourselves listening to false teachers. Sometimes we we find ourselves our own passions and our desires wanting to listen to those things that tickle our ears and we're prone to, to, to scratch. We're prone to wander the God that we love. This is why Paul lays out the foundation in verse 2 when he says reprove, rebuke, and, and exhort. It's because we need that. We need to sometimes be told what you're believing is wrong. This is the gospel. Go back. Sometimes we need to be rebuked so that we would repent. Sometimes we need to tell someone or even ourselves What we're listening to, what we are adhering to, isn't the gospel, and therefore we need to repent and start believing the truth of what he has laid out to us in the scriptures. If we're looking to accommodate a false gospel, there will always be teachers that are going to exist to accommodate that. If you want to hear what you want to hear, Believe me or not, you'll find someone who's going to be able to tell you that. And it it might even sound gospel. So you can go to sleep at night and feel better. But know that it's not. It's not. And as a shepherd, as, as as a preacher of God's word, my job, our job as shepherds are to shepherd the flock to love you enough to call you out, to love you enough to say, believe in the gospel, believe in the truth of his word. We need to be reminded day in, day out of the gospel. We need to be reminded day in and day out of the gospel. I love the song that we just sang. We says we're prone to wander and leave the God that we love And that is the reality, that our hearts are wicked, deceitful. And if if it goes unchecked, we will fall into those myths. So what do we do? Well, we, we go to the source. I am so thankful that I'm at Edgewater Baptist Church because I know that here at Edgewater Baptist Church, through the preaching of Andy and the preaching of Bill, we have been blessed that we get the gospel every single Sunday. I am thankful that we are able to not only preach the word, but also to prepare you as believers to go out into a world that isn't preaching the word. You're bombarded with so many messages day in and day out. And I am so thankful that as the word is being preached, my hope is that you would be prepared to walk in that and to stand firm in the truth of who God is. Look at verse 5. As for you, always be sober-minded, endure suffering, do the work of an evangelist, fulfill your ministry. After charging Timothy with not only what he's called to do, but giving him a preview of what things are going to look like. In verse 5, he he does a little bit of encouragement to him. But he says, as for you, always be sober minded. Be sober minded. Fulfill your ministry. To be sober minded is to be Christ focused. To be sober minded is to be in God's word, to endure suffering and yet not able to fall. And but when you do fall, to trust in Christ when you do. here's the reality. When he calls Timothy an evangelist, keep keep in mind what's happening with Paul here. Paul is at the end of his life. Paul's dying. That's why he says in verse 6, for I'm already being poured out as a drink offering." right? Paul is at the end of it. So he tells Timothy, I've passed the baton. I've passed the baton. Be sober-minded. Do the work of an evangelist. Like Timothy, you and me have a ministry. Some of us have ministries at our jobs, families, and we are called to endure hardships that whatever it may come with, we're called to be the gospel and to point others to Jesus. We are not called to sit in the sidelines and not speak the truth. But we are called to be mythbusters in gentleness. Don't go over there and bash people with the Bible and be like, oh, repent. People don't accept the gospel that way. Be gentle, loving, exhort, rebuke, encourage one another here in the body of Christ encourage one another in the gospel always looking to Christ who is the one that makes all this possible some of you here are not believers and my plea to you is that you will come to Christ and know the greatest treasure you will ever know the one who is able to set you free from all that you have believed all the myths that are that you have thought about God. This is who God is. Christ crucified. Christ resurrected. In glory. And one day will return. And he charges us, believers, to be out and do the work of an evangelist. Why? Verse 1. I charge you in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who is to judge the living and the dead. And by his appearing in his kingdom, Christ will return. And he will judge the living and the dead. We are called to be evangelists to those who do not know Jesus yet. So I pray and hope That as you hear these things, that that we will be ready, church. Be ready, but not only to be ready, but that you will be doers of the word. That as you hear the word being preached, as you hear the word being preached, that it will lead you to recognize false teaching, but not only to recognize it, but how to stand against it and to be sober-minded. And when our heart's prone to want to do what we want to do and and love and, and start going after messages, ain't the gospel, I pray that you would run to the gospel to know, is it possible that some of the things that we're hearing ain't the truth? So church, let's pray. Father, thank you for this time. Thank you for the way that you have encouraged us this morning, but at the same time, the way that you have, you needed to show us, we need to know the truth. And I pray that we would faithfully adhere to your gospel. That we would would stand, I mean, sit under the word, as it's preached faithfully on Sunday, and that we would be doers of it, Lord. That we would not just hear it, but that we would be charged the way Timothy was to be out in the world. So Lord God, be with us, Lord. May we, may we know you, may we be watchful from our own hearts to deceive us, Lord. And Lord, when we do fall, may we turn to you, Jesus, who offers us forgiveness and love and mercy. Thank you, God, for the gospel and the grace that you give us. We love you. In your name we pray. Amen.